Welcome back to another episode of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. Today we have another very special guest because, like I say, this is the podcast in which I just talk to my friends and I invite my friends over. We get on the mic and talk about things. Today we've got a lot to talk about. It might get dramatic. It might be a little crazy. Try not to tear up when you get all this news in your uh, your feed today. Yeah. We got gonna... <laughs> my brother DJ Dang It, Gabe Vaughn, in the house. What's up, brother? What up, dude? Man. Uh, yeah, it's going to be emotional, man. I was thinking crazy. we should do a, you, you got to make like the whole season about me. I'm going to do, <laughs> do like an open mic eagle joint where it's like, yeah, got like nine episodes about different topics. I'm with it, man. No, there's a lot because you have a lot of history here in Austin and you know a lot about the history here in Austin, man. And it's uh, pretty crazy. We're in the hip hop 50 yeah. year, they say. <laughs> and uh, I didn't get the memo until about year 42 or something, year 41 or whatever. Like, I did the. They were counting. Yeah, like the, uh, the hip hop thing didn't reach Austin really until a little bit later than the rest of the nation. I mean, I think that's true, but also there was always these pockets here because I remember being in Houston. Like, I mean, I definitely wasn't in 1973 yeah, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, 79 or yeah. whatever. I heard the Sugar Hill Gang just like everybody else did. Yeah. But the, that's uh, the thing we didn't even hear. I didn't. I don't even remember hearing that. Like, I heard that in Houston. Yeah. I would go visit my my dad and them and. <clears throat> Whatever it was, 102.3 or somebody. Magic 102. Yeah, yeah, they did the syndicated shows on Saturday nights. And so they had Flex and I don't know whoever else, Marley Marl or somebody doing DJ sets. Or mm -hmm. it was probably Capri or somebody like that at the time. But that was my first exposure to like non like super billboard rap music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That was where I first heard. Like all the deep, you know, not even necessarily deep cuts, but things like Sugar Hill Gang and things like, uh, I don't know, whatever was popping, you know, Trap Call Quest and mm -hmm. stuff like that, you know. Well, I mean, that's I remember in the late 90s being surprised when Austin finally got an urban commercial station. Like KZI had been around forever. <laughs> yeah. But for a lot of people, you really have to care and sit and listen yeah. to those, you know. And I, I always have, and I used to come to Austin before, even knowing very many people, but knowing like Andre Walker and, and some of these guys in the early 90s. Yeah. And he would take me to DJ Casanova's house or take me over to KZI. Yeah. And exactly. Steve Savage. And a lot of those people were there already, you know, Southpaw. Yeah. These guys were around, you know, early on and definitely pioneers here. But I do know for sure that Austin had people listening to it, but there was always such a huge divide in this city and there wasn't a huge, like, you know, Lately, the Chronicle has put like half the scene on the cover, which is great. Like mm -hmm. they have been covering hip hop in the last say ten years, mm -hmm. which has been nice to see. But back in the nineties and stuff, it was like pulling teeth to get any um, oh yeah respect or oh. attention towards you know. No, that's like the. Am I allowed to cuss? Yeah, of course. Okay, uh, that's like the old white guard shit, man. Yeah. Like. Those dudes, if it wasn't classic rock or like Steve Ray Vaughan related or whatever, like man, they weren't they weren't fucking with us, you know. They weren't unless it has some kind of mass appeal, you know what I mean. They didn't really recognize or appreciate like the independent scene mm -hmm. that started here and was trying to really like give it a go with no support, with no backup. You right. know what I mean? 
that's how I know like people like Robert Gabriel and yep. you know even Raul Hernandez and mm-hmm. you know these are how I know these people was because <clears throat> trying to do promo and stuff back in the day you know yep. um, we're, we're getting way ahead of <laughs> well, I mean you know I used to make beats uh, so yep. how that story is relative is I, I used to make beats for a group called Architectonics Architectonics way yes. back in the day was that mid nineties? <clears throat> that was like mid to late nineties. Yeah. yeah, we started recording in nineteen ninety six or so. Okay, we put out our first album. It was stuff we recorded, I think, in ninety seven. Mm-hmm. It didn't come out until the end of ninety nine because we didn't know what we were doing and there was no computers. Yet. Right, <laughs> everything was like. Uh, Either on four track tape or that was right when mini discs had come out, and so mm-hmm. we had we had balled and got like the sixteen track mini discs, whatever oh, yeah. thing. So yeah, this was wasn't just about emailing files. It was a uh, a bit more complicated. So yeah, we put out our first record somewhere late nineties there. That's dope. Yeah, I remember those days, and I remember that record. And then recently, you put out a record with was that outtakes from even that era or later? no? It was like. <clears throat> it was like where the story it was picking up from where the story had stopped right yep. and so we put out two records um the second of which most people don't even know about we never put it out on vinyl mm-hmm. or even cassette tape it was cd only mm-hmm. and it was like handmade i was i was hanging with brown hornet and them at yep. that time and so i was just like trying to get weird with shit mm-hmm Bearded Lady, shout out to oh, Bearded man, Lady, man. Hadn't, had, was just about to start as a business. Wow. And we bought blank like CD mailers and they screen printed on them. So we had these like handmade covers. And uh, so that second record only, I don't know, we made maybe like 200 of them or something. Mm. And, and, then, and then it all kind of fell apart, you know. Um, but I was on, I personally, as a beat maker was on a different trajectory at that moment you know Mm. like i was starting to listen to weirder stuff darker stuff um and then also like really beat-minded stuff so dj crush obviously dj shadow's big influence um things like that that were like beats for beats sake you know and then all the weird guys all that's you know backpack stuff had started to come out and so Mm -hmm. People like Jell from Anacon, man, when I heard his beats, that shit like changed my life. Like that shit was so good, you know, and it mm-hmm. was weird. It was different, strange time signatures and whatever. And so the record that I put out more recently is the beats that I were making that were like of that ilk. Okay. But back then, right? So like 97, 98, 99, mm-hmm. especially 2000. A lot of that stuff was like 99, 2000. Dope. Those were the days. I have boxes of CDRs. <laughs> <laughs> I just got rid of a whole bunch. It's funny because owning the record store, I have people come and sell me their collections, and I've had at least three or four old hip hop dudes like come mm-hmm. and sell me their stuff. And it's like, man, I have bricks of like CDRs that are like Rifleman or LA Cool or yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah like fellowship in them or whatever you know or atu or whatever you know all these like homemade things because that was that was our pocket you know Man, that was the era with blondie's era the hip-hop mecca oh era, yeah yeah when hieroglyphics and and the project blow guys and those this yeah. was like their second home yeah catfish catfish, catfish station catfish station 
was it Catfish? Yeah. Catfish always, Station, yeah. <laughs> I always call it Catfish Parlor because of the restaurant. Well, there's a restaurant yeah. at Catfish Parlor. <laughs> Catfish <laughs> Station is the yeah, is Catfish Vulcan Station. now. Yeah, oh, real, oh wow. Yeah, Vulcan is the old Catfish Station. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. But yeah, the shows were Catfish Station. We did our first show at, at uh, Victory Grill, actually. Man. With okay. uh, Mystic Journeyman. Man. This is before Living Legends became Living wow. Legends. We had hooked up. We had a homie, uh, Homicide, Brian. He was a graffiti writer. And he used to live out in Oakland at 4001, which is where the journeyman and all of them like kind of spawned from. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he knew them dudes and like got them to come to Austin for their first time. And we were just about to put out our record. And mm-hmm. so our very first show was opening up for them at uh at uh, victory grill with as who i grew oh, up yeah. with yeah tommy shout out to tommy and finnegan um they they opened up with us as well and truth be told somewhere in this world there is a vhs recording of that show man i've seen it i know it exists i don't own it and if i ever like somehow become really famous mm-hmm. somebody's gonna try to hunt that down because that is the one and only time in my life that i rapped what i rapped I, I rapped one verse at that show wow yeah i at could the victory group yeah i remember like the first yep. four lines of that rap but like, <laughs> who all was at arc tectonics uh it was me uh justin who was wild card at mm-hmm. the time has since run into a couple cease and desists uh with that name uh <laughs> and then jag julio mm-hmm. uh in the original lineup uh well there was incarnations right mm-hmm. so it all started at, at mccallum high school okay right so the first incarnation of architectonics before it even had the name architectonics was i wasn't even a part of the group this is this is a testament to how much of an asshole i am um the group was this guy named Corey, um who now goes by rataru okay and he's still making music by the way um and julio who was jag and this guy dylan uh dylan vatone who was the dj right and he would rap a little bit too, but he was like the the wiki wiki guy, right? Not like making beats, but just like DJ DJ. And um, and then I came on, and basically I kicked out <laughs> Corey, mm-hmm. and I kicked out Dylan, and I added Justin to the mix because Justin and I play basketball together, and mm-hmm. I knew he was trying to rap. And he and I, he's like still to this day out of all the dudes, like that's my brother. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So we had a connection early on. So he, uh, so it ended up being me and Julio and Justin were the like core dudes. Mm-hmm. And then right before we put out that first record, we added a, another guy named Paul, um, Elusive. Elusive, yeah. yeah. All right. And he was on, he was on the first record and then he wasn't on the second record okay. so yeah there were some some things that were happening in life that that separated us yep. at that moment so 
So the rest of us stuck together, and then he pieced out. So man, that's crazy though. What an era! Yeah, that was a crazy <laughs> era here. I mean, and you we talked before about the House of Fat Beats. Oh man, when they came on, uh, that was everything. KBRX, yeah. yeah, that was everything to that me, was big. dude. There, none of none of any of this would have been happening for me, or like would have even you know, been substantial enough for me to dedicate my energy and my time to it had they not already, like, glued some things together. Mm -hmm. The scene here sucked, but it was a scene, and it was a scene because of them, you know? They were a big part of it, but I will say before them, um, I'm not going to say it sucked because coming from (laughs) Houston... And and not nothing against. I mean, coming from Houston, yeah. you know, I'd go to shows and it'd be. Yeah. I, I went to all kinds of shows, but when I'd come to Austin, even though you didn't have the infrastructure of like what Houston had for hip hop, you had live music venues that had actual people running soundboards and yeah. microphones that worked and yeah. things like that. Yeah, for sure. And so it'd be nice to come to a show, <clears throat> even see the same show in Houston and Austin, and come up here, and the sound would be better. The crowd would be super diverse. A yeah. lot of college kids. It could be a mix of people. Yeah, Houston was not a mix of people. You know, one club would be white, one would be black, one would be Latino, yeah. one would be Vietnamese. Like, yeah. <clears throat> it's changed a lot in both cities now. You know, there's a lot more <clears throat> people coming together doing things. But in those early days of hip hop, like, it was very, or early days for us yeah. in hip hop, it was kind of cool to come up here and see, even like a Flamingo Cantina, smaller, yeah. you know, coming from the big, massive club where the sound was horrible in Houston, and then see an artist at, Flamingo Cantina and then see the groups, you know, see Ross Hogg or somebody who at first, you know, I was like, what the yeah. hell is a Ross? How did this yeah. happen? Coming yeah. from Houston. Yeah. And then I get to know him. I'm like, this dude's really genuinely into this music. He's very yeah. serious about rhyming and music. And he's like a serious dude. Well, he, you know? serious in quotes, man. I serious re- and fun, but the, music, yeah, musically serious. The first time I met Ross Hogg was at the parish right when it had moved you know changed or mercury. mercury yeah mercury it, w- it was in the new location but it was still mercury mm-hmm. um and i met him at one of the early hip-hop shows there and he gave he like he jumped into a freestyle circle like everybody's sitting around having a cypher and like spitting bars and shit and then he comes through and spits this like Eminem esque, like super jokey, like punchline pre, thing. Very pre Eminem. Very pre Eminem. Yeah. Very pre. Well, it was around the time as uh, what was that? The the first Eminem joint. The like fuck. I just don't give a fuck. Well, I'm that, talking yeah. about seeing. I'm talking about seeing Ross in like '93. Yeah. Now this was this had to have been about '97 or '98 mm-hmm. or somewhere in there. Um, and he, so he comes in and he spits his little, like five little funny bars or whatever. And the punchline is, he's like, check out the new Ross hog 12 inch. And he breaks out of his backpack. Like, I don't know. There's probably five dudes in the cypher. He breaks out five rulers, like wooden rulers that mm-hmm. say the new Ross hog 12 inch. <laughs> and he hands them out as he's like spitting the punchline to there the thing. Go. He's like, dude, come on. <laughs> There you go, man. Early early street yeah. promo. Never not closing, man. He's like selling yep. so much shit. Yep, yeah, yeah. No, it was hilarious, man. That he was he was fun, you know. So Yeah, shout out to Ross. We, he and I never really knew each other that yeah. well. I moved out to the Bay and he was already there. Mm-hmm. You know, the one and only time I didn't live in Austin, I lived in the Bay for a very short stint. And uh and he was already out there, but we didn't really know each other enough to mm. like connect while I was out there. But I've always had a lot of respect for him, especially as like a historian. Like, oh yeah, like very few dudes like yourself and you know, uh, less and mm-hmm. you know, Kool Aid and 
those guys like you know nick um you know very few people really have and you know retained like the kind of timeline and the history of of those weird little scenes that we were a part of mm-hmm. and so my timelines go off. I never. I don't know what year was what half the yeah. time, but I, I do <laughs> yeah. remember that it happened. Oh, I'm like that now. Yeah, like yeah. I, it's like that. Shit, like I'm usually off by about ten years. Yeah, the two thousands, yeah. man. It's like <laughs> yeah. that was oh six. I'm yeah, like oh totally. six was four. Yeah, oh six was seventeen years ago. <laughs> yeah, ain't that some shit? Yeah. What? Yeah. No, I keep having a kid is what yeah. does that shit all the time because I'm like I always remember. I'm like, oh, when did that happen? And I got to remember like how old was yeah. how old was my son. Mm-hmm when that happened and that always puts a lot of things in perspective no it really does with the man the time has just gone crazy man we can talk about more recent things now speaking of crazy i can't lie when uh you and josh josh opened up breakaway records i was thinking to myself these guys are crazy opening a record store what the hell what's gonna happen with a record store and then the record resurgence came yeah. and somehow you knew or maybe I don't know if you knew, but you, it was you our, took the chance and came out, and and I, it's insane to go into like thriving record stores. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a amazing. trip. Um, so there's a couple reasons for that. So, um, the breakaway story really starts at Friends of Sound. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Dave Hafner. Um, he gave me a job. I had been working at Wheatsville. Okay. I was the cheese guy over Couldn't here. get much more Austin than that. Wheatsville to Friends of Sound. Oh, right. man, I've had every Austin job. I Spider House, Thundercloud. Thundercloud. Like, all, man, I've had yeah. every Austin job you could have. Okay. I love video. Like, all, <laughs> man, all of it. Down Damn. to, the, like, the bullshit ones. Like, the Texaco at North Loop and Lamar right down the street. Uh, from, man, I worked there. Hilarious. Yeah, like, everywhere. I worked everywhere in this town. Anyway, so I left... Um, I left Wheatsville, Patrick Murray, Hobo D. Mm-hmm. He had left his Whole Foods job to go help Dave open Friends of Sound. Mm-hmm. Dave had just come to Austin. I didn't know him at all. And then <clears throat> Patrick left his job, right? And he it was just Dave and Patrick. And Patrick decided after about a year to go back to Whole Foods for insurance and, you know, whatever, stability stuff, adulting. Mm-hmm. And when he left, he escorted me in. I hmm. met I met Dave. Like, he introduced me to Dave. Uh, Dave and I hit it off really well at, at first. And, um, and then I became, I took over Patrick's job, and I left Wheatsville to do that. And so I worked for Dave for probably close to three years, just under three years, um, at Friends of Sound there on South Congress, and yep. um, or just off of South Congress. And um, because this will probably be the only time that I ever speak on this subject in a public manner, um, Dave and I have, you know, later in life we had riffs. Um, mostly because I left and I and I started my own operation, you know, and that comes with a lot of politics and there's obvi- obviously a lot of social overlap stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. And so for many years, it was pretty messy, you know, us both trying to operate in the same town and having the same friend groups and same customer base and same resources for finding records and mm-hmm. how to sell them and all these things, you know. 
we were competition and it wasn't always very graceful. And I take responsibility for most of that. Right. Mm -hmm. What year was that though? Um, this was in 2007 that I left. Right. right? Cause I gave him, I gave him about about a year Mm -hmm. when I left, I was like, Hey, I'm leaving to open my own spot. Um, but I wanted for my own peace of mind, I wanted to make sure that I didn't open breakaway like the next day mm-hmm. because I wanted breakaway to be stand on its own feet. Right. I, I didn't want anybody to think that I was pulling from his resources or what he had built. You know what I mean? Um, even though again, he and I have had odds, it was really important to me to respect the fact that he had given me my first break. Sure. Right. And I didn't want to just look like a poacher. You know what I mean? So, and that gave me time to like lay low, stack up some money, start looking at, you know, where to open it, like real estate stuff and whatever. So I laid low for about a year and then we opened in 2008 and Josh wasn't with me then. Okay. I, there was a, an, another guy, Mike Hooker okay. that had just moved from Florida and because of some sock op connections, I kind of knew him and I knew he needed a job. And I got him the job at Friends of Sound right before I left. And then as I was leaving, I was like, hey, I'm leaving to start my own shit. Do you want to come and like be my employee? You know? And basically what it ended up boiling down to is he was a worker. He's a hustler, you know? Um, what it ended up boiling down to was I didn't have enough money like mm-hmm. on my own. And so he ended up putting up some money. Like we went, we went halves, you know, on starting the business. Yeah. So instead of him being my employee, he was my partner. Yeah. And we got breakaway open and it was open for about two years or so, like over in the East side location. So right. fifth street over near cafe Mundi. That's right. And around the time that the East side started to, pop like there was it was all industrial over there auto shops and shit you know um this is before any of the bars any anything oh yeah i can tell you some stories (laughs) i'm sure you could too uh when the tortilla factory was still there so um so we started breakaway and right around the time that the east side started to pop our real estate situation got weird mm-hmm. as is the you know age-old story in austin real estate is that you know we were there things were good and then somebody comes in and is like hey you should charge three times the, you know whatever so things got funky mm-hmm. um not for us uh for mundi cafe mundi okay. right so cafe mundi was there a 11 years before breakaway was even there right right? so they had been there 13 years that like thus far or it's like 12 and change and basically they got screwed oh yeah right and because they got screwed and because they were so integral to the the formation of breakaway i'm like let's be real i straight poached their customers right Mm mm-hmm I only got my footing because I was able to access their customer base. 
not only that, those are my fucking people. Yeah. Like I fucking love them. Like Jess, Jessica from Cafe Mundi is one of my favorite humans in this world still to this day. So when they started to get fucked with, I still had a year on my lease and my partnership wasn't going well. There was starting to be a lot of distrust mm-hmm. um, between us. And it was obvious that we should not be partners. So basically I bought him out and and moved breakaway but out of solidarity mm-hmm. like i could have stayed there another year and i didn't um but i was so upset with what they had done to mundi that i didn't want to put any more of my money in their pocket right no so i was like cool if you're gonna do them shitty i'm leaving too you know so i left and i had already been spotting the the location on north loop Mm -hmm. because it had been sitting there dormant for a minute and um and i grew up not far from there right uh brentwood like crestview neighborhood so i would i knew about that spot i knew it when it was a taekwondo spot when i was a kid you know um and so basically because of politics there was somebody in the middle right between the landlord that i'm that I'm annoyed with and trying to get out of mm-hmm. and the landlord to get into North loop. There was one person in the middle who, who won't be named. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was a complicated thing. Sleeping, sleeping with the devil. You know, he, he was the guy who, who told, the original landlord to start hiking up all the like he's the guy he's the guy who created the impetus for mooney getting screwed Mm -hmm. and i had to use him to get to north loop (laughs) so i did and uh it was a deal Mm -hmm. i told them i was like i was like if you can get me into north loop i'll go quietly Mm -hmm. if you can't get me into north loop i'm about to put you on blast Uh. (laughs) because fuck y'all you know Mm -hmm. and that's what happened I, I I held my tongue and we moved over to the North Loop. And as soon as I signed the lease over at North Loop, I made it very clear to my now new landlord that the person that helped me get over there was no longer involved in my business. And like he's like, don't yeah he he does not represent me anymore. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So then we moved over to North Loop, and so that was in 2010. Okay. Yeah. Or no. Yeah, 2010. And then Josh LaRue moves to Austin just out just after that. Um, he had grown up here. Well, he grew up in Denton. Okay. And then he had lived here for a good while uh, in, the, in the 80s or 90s, you know, uh, for a good chunk. And then he left to go to college and then, like, do a bunch of other stuff. And then he had been living in D.C. for about... I don't know, 13 plus years or something and had two daughters. And when they had uh, the two girls, he and his wife and the two girls relocated back to Austin because he wanted, they were in DC. He wanted to, to raise the girls in Austin. Mm -hmm. So when he moved here, he was like the stay at home dad and his wife, uh, who at the time was, I think a practicing nurse, um, was like 
she was bringing home the bacon, you know what I mean? So he was at home with the girls who were really young at that time, and he was trying to get out of the house. And so he and I had met because of message boards. Oh, yes. <laughs> Back when we used to sell records through. Was it Soulstrut? Man, Soulstrut, Waxidermy. I had yeah. my own for a while, rmb45.com. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick had. Uh, Crowd control. Crowd control. Yeah. These were the, the normal haunts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So basically, because Breakaway was such a small operation at that time, I would put up records on like set sale lists mm-hmm. um and josh saw a record that i was selling and he was like hey i'm moving to austin like in a couple of weeks can i pay for this now and just come and get it from you like when i get there I was like yeah so he comes through the shop picks up his record we start chopping it up we hit it off really well like fucking from square one you know mm-hmm. and you know, my DJ career at that time was like fucking booming, right? Mm-hmm. Like Breakaway wasn't hardly paying me, which is how Breakaway exists. Right. <laughs> now. I mean, the sock hop was a thing, man. The sock yeah. hop was a big deal. Yeah. Like that was that was really what was paying my bills, which gave Breakaway some buffer, right? Like I, Breakaway didn't have to crush it mm-hmm. at the beginning because I was, you know, we weren't getting paid. So, and, but I was able to pay my bills otherwise, you know? So, um, so Josh comes around and my DJ career is real busy at that time. And, you know, one of the gigs that I've had the longest is the gig at the San Jose hotel, Mm -hmm. um, just out there on the patio playing chill out soul music, you know? Um, and so, I was like, hey, come through to this gig, sit in with me, let's play records, chop it up, have a couple drinks, like, mm-hmm. and I, you know, with the prospect of, like, adding him to the team, adding him to the rotation as far as, like, DJ shit goes, because I'm always farming out gigs, right? Mm-hmm. Especially now, like, because I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just, like, call somebody else, like, um, but back then it was like, all right, come and get on the team and let's feel each other out. And then I'll see where I could put you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he wanted to, he wanted to get a job at breakaway, like a part-time job just to get out of the house and have a little pocket money. And then we started DJing together and he was like, Hey, let me get a part-time job. And I was like, man, I can't, I don't have it. Like I don't have the money, you know? Like, I would love to, but, like, I just, you know, I was running the business like shit because I had just bought out my partner. Mm-hmm. So I have a huge amount of debt on a business that's not really making that much money, right? So I couldn't, it was, even though I wanted to get him in, I didn't have the space available, mm-hmm. you know? So then we started talking about the concept. As he and I grew closer together, we started talking about the concept of him buying into the shop to alleviate help me you know relieve some of this debt mm-hmm. and then to get help with running shit because everything i suck at he's really good at you know and we found that out at a very early stage so he came on as a partner shit around there 2010 11 something like that and then shit we've been at the hips ever since like 
That's, uh, he hates it. He probably hates that I say this, but like, that's my man wife. Like that's yeah. my, that's my, <laughs> that's my dude, you know, like that's great, man. I mean, you guys have really built something and you came in right on time and you were able to maintain well through a big drought into <laughs> a crazy, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the world of records now is just so amazing to see. Yeah. People got sick of this. You know, people still stream. We all stream. But, you know, getting back to the physical and getting back to the real deal and the kids and the, I mean, my daughters were buying CDs for a minute even. Like, they yeah. like tapes. They like records. Yeah. It's wild. No, it's cool. That's actually one of the best parts of the job, you know. Um, I'm I'm definitely dealing with a lot of burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, some of the silver linings that come with being in that spot for so long is to see like the new evolution of people that are hungry about music and curious and mm-hmm. you know the explorers like oh yeah everybody who is sitting on their on their ass like just ordering shit on discogs and not getting out into the world you know not only are they missing the community aspect which to me is like the fucking biggest thing like that's why that's I, what we grew up with yeah that's why i did everything like i didn't i didn't ever make enough money to do this shit i did it to be around my people and to not work for other assholes right mm-hmm. and so it's nice to see a community a younger you know different mm-hmm. community of people that are actually showing effort in exploring music they're not just sitting at their house ordering shit on discogs they're getting out there and seeing like what they can stumble on you mm-hmm. know and that really to me is like one of the roots of the passion yeah you for know sure. like that the the digger gets rewarded you know what i mean like that's that was the mentality that was instilled in me mm-hmm. by hip-hop like you know at a very formidable age and so i i commend the new diggers you know and i mean i remember just being young and my big influences in life were those people behind the counter oh yeah know? for sure going into yeah. the record stores and in, in in my hometown of here or going to cleveland or coming to, coming to houston and those folks at sound exchange were like mentors yeah <laughs> you know what i mean and my like, sound exchange yeah. like man austin sound exchange austin sound was exchange, like yep. i still to this day have always wanted to make shirts for breakaway that say i miss sound exchange like yeah. that that i always tell people like i don't i spent more time at sound exchange than i did at high school they're having a reunion party are you serious october first week of october Fuck i just yeah. saw it yeah I there's wonder. a there's a sound exchange reunion party at um that's crazy at a venue. I don't remember. The Flamingo but, or something? No. I'll find it for you, though. I'll send it. I'll find that. Cause Some off-brand. Is yeah, like, yeah, and I'm wondering if James will be there. I was thinking about Craig, man. Is I think it was Greg or Craig. He worked there for forever. He was uh he went, like, he got ghost. And, like, I remember asking a few people about him. And they were like, yeah, he disappeared. And, like, nobody's heard from him 20, mm. 20 years. Not, like, in a bad way, but just in a, like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know? So I wonder if he's going to show up. Yeah, I <laughs> hear that, so. man. I was too young to really click with those people because yeah. I was still in high school, right? So they were all in their young 20s and mid-20s and stuff. And they were the cool kids, but they they probably recognized me by face and stuff. But we didn't really know each other because I was just a high school kid skipping school, like, 
probably stealing cassette tapes or something. You know I, I was mean? the high school like, kid <laughs> asking a million questions. Yeah. <laughs> constantly getting to know these people. Like, what we, what's yeah. going on? How can I get into the venue? I was up at the <laughs> listening station just train spotting. I wouldn't talk to them. I just watched what they're doing and watch what yeah. they were, like, listening to and taking notes, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, anybody who's been watching your Instagram recently has got some questions. Oh, yeah. Regarding you, because, you know, Breakaway <laughs> has become a home away from home for a lot of people. It is definitely a gathering place and a place we love to go. And you've been talking about uh, getting rid of things in your home and things like this. So I had to get on the phone and see what the hell is really going on, man. Yeah, man. Uh, Sounds like a little sabbatical. Yeah, pretty much. Like I am going to be stepping back from Breakaway and I'm going to be stepping away from Austin. For the first time, really, in my life. Like, I lived in the Bay for a short stint, you know, mm-hmm. during the art tectonic stuff. Um, went out there for a project, and it fizzled real fast, and mm-hmm. I came right back. And But other than that, I've been in Austin the whole time, you know? So, like, over 40 years. Yep. And I grew up pretty poor. Um, I had a pretty dysfunctional childhood. And then I had a kid at a young age and then I had a business and a DJ career. And, you know, the reasons why I couldn't leave Austin just constantly stayed there. And this is the first chance in my life to where I have the opportunity to go, like, try to have some new experiences in my life before I'm too old to do that. Yes. I'm I'm trying to take advantage of that. You know, I feel that. It's like we were talking about, like, I've never left the continental United States except for for one day. I went to Toronto, which is exactly like Seattle. Shit don't count, you know? I mean, it's a great city, though. (laughs) It's cool, but, like, I got a passport, and I got there. I was like, this shit doesn't feel exotic at all, you know? And then I came back. I've never been to Mexico. I've never, you know, none of that shit. So trying trying to figure that out before my... Well, for my body won't let me, you know what I mean? Man, you got some years on you for sure, but it's a good idea. I think it's a great thing. It's a great time for it. You know, if you can do it, yeah. you know, get out there and see the world and uh, get some new experiences. I mean, Austin is not getting any cheaper. It's not getting any cooler. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Literally I'm, and figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> all the things. Yeah. All the ways. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, so it's like, damn, I'm jealous. I'm excited for you, man. Like, what, what are you thinking? Um, man, right now, like the plan is to do a little bit of exploring. I have my eye on, uh, getting some land in upstate New York Mm -hmm. and like kind of not necessarily getting off the grid, but definitely slowing down a bit. Um, you know, like real recognize real, like I, I, you know, I've suffered from mental health issues my whole life. And Mm -hmm. a lot of those issues have not really been dealt with or addressed like to the depths at which they would need to in order Mm -hmm. for me to grow and feel healthy. And I have not been able to prioritize that while juggling so many things Mm -hmm. and while wearing so many hats, you know, as a dad, as a DJ, as a business person, as a, you know, whatever community, Family, you know, I got family here and shit, like yep. all the different things. Like it's been really hard for me to, um, you know, uh, prioritize my own needs I feel that. in that yeah. way. And so I'm 
it's against my grain. Like I can feel my body is like freaking out. Like, what are we doing? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like I need to do it in order to grow. And so I'm going to just like kind of slow down a little bit, try to be more creative. Mm -hmm. You know, I've really, the burnout of retail has really taken its toll on me um, personally and like spiritually, you know? And even though I love Breakaway and I love the community and I love Josh and I love my staff and I love that room. Like yeah. I love all that shit yep. still. And I love being around music and I love, there's so many things about it that I mm-hmm. love, but I need to pause on those experiences and quiet the volume on that aspect of my life yep. so that I can hear the frequencies coming from these other things that I need to do. You know what I mean? Working on my mental health, working on uh, being more involved in the community uh, in a way that does not um, have attachments to money. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I love my community, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to get their dollars and like, I'm trying to, I want to, I want to spend some time engaging in a community that where I don't have anything to gain like that. Right. I mean, it's reality. The rents aren't going down. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, it's cool. I mean, I'm not complaining and I've gotten really good at it, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, just because I've, I've always stuck to my story. Like I've always been very sincere in what I do. Even if you don't like me, I'm a very honest asshole. Right. Um, so, you know, being able to, take space from the retail and money and sales part of that community I'm hoping will allow me to engage with other communities or even the same community in a way where I can feel uh I don't know what's the term like at peace mm-hmm. with myself, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to know that it's not about money. I want to know that it's not, that it's actually sincerely about community. And like, you know, I've often, I have a, a nephew that, uh, you know, is pretty high special needs. And so I'm looking at like probably trying to do some volunteer work with some kids with special needs and stuff. That's like a language that I speak that I really, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's very centering and it's very humbling and, there's no dollar signs attached to it, you know? So, yep. uh, in the words of my friend, Adrian from Adrian with yoga, uh, ah, or yoga, yoga with Adrian, Adrian. Yeah. Sh- uh, do, do what feels good. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to do what feels good. So I need to do more yoga. And I was thinking about before you expanded breakaway <laughs> and I got to see shit and shine in the thing and the oh, yoga, yeah. yoga studio behind you. Yeah. Yeah. What's now your room with the, the, the dollar bins yeah. and the and the equipment. Yeah, number the second room. The second yeah. room, yeah. Yeah, when it was center spot, Jessica Douglas used to run that. She okay. was uh Epoch employee. Shout out to Jessica. Yeah, they they had that spot for a couple years and then we took it over. It was an amazing there. show. Amazing night. Well, everything you're saying is real, man, and that's important and it's good that you have that chance. I mean, my kids have both graduated now as well, you know, and I'm yeah. looking at life a lot differently and you know, the opportunities that are out there and you know, there's uh 
There's lots of also very realistic things like water. Yeah. <laughs> and things that are very important when no, you talk about upstate New York. No, that's what I've been be... telling people is like I've been trying I'm trying to go somewhere that's colder yeah. and like there's some water on, where there's some water. Like I it might not happen in my generation, but I'm gonna set up like my kids, grandkids with the mm-hmm. in the water wars, you know what I mean? Yeah, for real. <laughs> Those great lakes. I'm gonna turn into that old conspiracy theory dude that just lives like out in the middle of nowhere and talks shit about everybody. So that's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not mad at that. Man, you know you wanna know what the real dream is? This is the What's candid, that? this is the expose right here. Yeah. My actual visualization of what I want right now is I want a piece of property where I can go and sit in a chair outside with no clothes on and smoke a cigarette and play music with my dog who's a pit bull. I hear that. Right? Like that is the epitome of a dream. Like that is freedom, that is comfort, that's like relaxed, like no judgment, no no you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's some for real old man losing his shit. Like <laughs> There's a whole lot of them up there you're going to see. Yeah, I'm going to be with my people, man. You know I mean, yeah. the, nor- the northern rednecks. <laughs> man, it's crazy how many uh, fucking uh, Confederate flags you see up there. Dude. I just got back from a road trip up there, man. Ohio, PA, New York. Be seeing Confederate flags in the windows. It's like, dog, you weren't even south when it was a thing. Like You're on the northern border, <laughs> bitch. Yeah, literally, that's Canada right there. Like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you were the Underground Railroad. How about that, dicks? Yeah, for real. Fuck no, those guys. No, man, it's real weird, but that's the thing that's happened, and uh, maybe it's been like this forever. I don't know, but you step two feet out of a city, yeah. and it's over. I'm trying to change that shit, though, and it's happening yeah. in the little pockets. There's definitely pockets, and yeah. artists and, and uh, interesting people are having to get out of the cities once again. Yeah. Things are happening where it's, we're getting priced out. We talked yeah. about it. We talk about it every day with anybody we talk to anywhere, yeah. but here in Austin, it's like the gentrification that we, we've seen over the years is psychotic, yeah. and the gentrification extends to not just by race or by anything. It's everyone who is not extremely money-centric. Yeah. If you're not really focused on yeah. that, this is not what Austin was when you grew up by any means. This is not yeah. the place I used to come visit and be like, wow, it's a cool place. Yeah. You know, it's way different. No, and yeah, the only like the thing the hustle, that, the, the 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 lifestyle here is supposed to be what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> the dream of really kind of chilling and and all that, but it, that's done. Man, honestly, I've given up. Like no, that, straight up like I the thing that allows me to be excited about moving mm-hmm. is having had let that go. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like it's gone. I kept I've been here the whole time. I keep like finding little ways to harbor hope. And like, I just don't feel that way anymore. No, not to say that there aren't communities that are actively oh, connecting man. and doing good or creating art. I'm saying that the city in general does not support that in the way that I think that it should. And it's like we were saying off air, like the city is a whore. Like whoever's got the biggest pocketbook is going to make the, you know, make a bulk of the decisions, right? Mm-hmm. And have a bulk of the influence. And, you know, Austin used to put up some kind of resistance to that a little bit back in the day. And now there's no more resistance. The firewall is down. Like, mm-hmm. it's like who, who whoever's got the big pocketbook can come in and do what they want. And there's no appreciation for heritage or community. And those are the things that really resonate with me, you know? 
which I learned from growing up in Austin. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I will say that uh, I'm, I'm getting the grant for the oh, event thing, live yeah. event grant. So I can't be yeah. mad at the city city yeah. right at that point. Like, yeah. you know, the people, there are people still yeah. trying, you know, we got yeah, to help. We got to put the disclaimer out there that all of my opinions are, no, my are opinion, Gabe's opinions. I've talked yeah. a lot of shit about Austin. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it straight up, but like, yeah. it's a, um, it's really hard to see even some of these people who are trying. You're just like, yeah. hey, thanks, you know, but like, what's next? Yeah, you know, like, what's real. going on here? Like, the whole... Uh, and nobody can do anything fun or creative, really, because they're too caught in the, like, just keeping their head above water. It's the low-pay I mean? capital of the world. Oh, yeah. This is the low-pay capital Dude, of the world. All of my servers and industry people and shit, like, those are my people. That's who I've always connected with, mm-hmm. especially as a DJ. I know all the people working in the bars. I know all the people who are the managers and the club mm-hmm. owners and all that stuff. And, man, like, to these are the people that everybody else who's coming here with money is partaking in these businesses that employ these people. But these people are not making the right wages they're not their stability of life isn't good like you know like all of that shit like and i've been that dude for a long time and so i can i like i have compassion for that and and i mean things have changed post covid even though people are still getting covid right now but it it has changed (laughs) since the 2020 and all that shit in a lot of ways especially in the service industry but yeah that's true one of the things that showed me one of the things that I learned from that is I think I do want to be somewhere smaller. Yeah. Where you're talking about, like, not just in, I do want to be in the middle of nowhere as well, but I mean, just in a smaller community where it's not as expensive, it's not as hard. You have a little more space. A lockdown doesn't mean you're in a, in your one bedroom apartment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or you can have a job that will allow you to have two days off to just free your mind and like make music or make art or go see friends or enjoy movies and shit. And not be fretting about, your finances or mm-hmm. like all that shit, you know? Yep. So that's a great thing. I'd love to hear when my friends uh, can do that and take a step back. I've been able to even just in this last year, not on a major scale, but just with family stuff that's come up, I've had to step back and yeah. haven't been making money like that. Haven't been, you know, but just kind of been blessed to be able to. And then when you can do that, it's like, that's the thing. Money so doesn't move me, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't, yeah, I'm a, I mean, for lack of a better term, like I am a capitalist. I literally own a business, mm-hmm. right? But that part of myself has always, it's always been a crux for yep. me because I don't do it for the money, right? Like there's not enough money in records to no. do it for the money, right? Yeah. Like I've always told people, like if I wanted to make money, like I would have fucking got a dot-com job or, you know what I mean? Like I'd, I'd work at a computer and I don't, I don't want to do that. No. Like there's a reason I get paid in other ways. I don't get paid in money. Right. Mm-hmm. And so doing a move like this, I can go out to a spot that's chill. That's fairly inexpensive. Mm-hmm. I can slow down because I live within my means. Like I don't, I'm man, I've been broke my whole life. I could go be broke somewhere. Like yep. that shit ain't hard to me. No, no. <laughs> and I'd much rather do that. And, get paid in other ways, have quality of life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Than to, you know, now that my son is off to college and like, I kind of got my finances ish straight, yep. you know, like I'm trying to set everything up to where I don't have to fucking think about that shit anymore. Like get all my affairs in order as they say. And then I'm gonna kick back and just do whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Like, 
just try to enjoy smell some roses like the big big reason why this transition is happening for me is because i'm starting to realize that i was so busy hustling mm -hmm. that i didn't stop to smell roses you know yeah, what i for mean sure. and and i regret that that's my biggest regret out of all of it right and you're gonna go to a place where grass and flowers and plants can actually grow where shit ain't like fucking brown and tan or, yeah <laughs> Oof, half <yeah>. baked <laughs> i know i missed a lot of this summer thank god i yeah. came back and flew over from the plane started coming down around dallas so you could see yeah man this whole state just brown yeah again fuck all that man yeah i'll be seeing like i went up on the road trip we missed each other in I erie know. by a couple of days and when I was up there on a road trip, like going through New York and stuff, it's like, man, there's colors, there's versions of green it's gorgeous. that I have never seen in my life. Gorgeous, yeah. <laughs> like, wait till you go, wait till crazy. the fall hits. Oh, yeah. I went once. I went, uh, so I got homies in Kingston. Yep. Shout out to Tubbies, Tubbies and them. What's up, Corey? Um, and shout out Rich Callie, my dude, man. Uh, yeah, so I went out there in the fall and oh, hung out in gorgeous. Kingston and, and was driving all up and down the Hudson, like, just looking Gorgeous. at all the trees and shit like the i think the world's longest bridge or something or mm -hmm. like the nation's longest bridge is there i walked that shit like this shit is beautiful man yep i was um in 2020 when i had to go up there for for my mother and stuff like yeah i had left i left in 89 and i'd lived up north different places here and there but i didn't i'd forgotten how like amazing those colors are when it, oh, when yeah. the fall starts hitting yeah and architecture, man. We were yeah. talking about this off air. Like, you know, Austin has done a very good job of getting rid of uh, a lot of its unique architecture. One of the things I really appreciate about those areas, uh, especially in the Northeast, is the value of how much that architecture offers, like, as far as, like, the vibe of a city, you mm -hmm. know? You go to places like Pittsburgh or Cleveland, and even if the people suck, like, the houses are beautiful and at least... Even if the people suck, at least they have a value to like, you know, like their city. They respect that heritage. They respect that uh, aesthetic, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. And that really speaks to me. And as that dwindles here in Austin, but stays true in those other areas. it. it I love Cleveland. I love Pittsburgh. I yeah, mean, the architecture of Pittsburgh is insane. Yeah. And, the, the, you know, in the record game. Up in Pittsburgh and Cleveland is crazy, man. I can't, man. I I often don't mess with it, you yeah, know, because I've been in the trenches here. Like when I travel, unless I'm like traveling for work, like hunting down records and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I don't go to record stores. Like I don't want to. It's like I I'm still a record person. I still love music, but like, yep. I spend so much time in Breakaway that like, oh yeah, I just need like. It's supposed to be a, a vacation for a reason. <laughs> yeah, well, I try to avoid it because I, I got the PTSDs, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I just can't afford it, so I don't do it. But when I was in oh, Pittsburgh, yeah. you know, I had to make the, the pilgrimage to Jerry's. I don't know if you've ever oh, been to Jerry's right I know of it, but I've never been, yeah. It's too much. Yeah, same with uh, Val Shively's, never been, uh, which is somewhere closer to New York City, like on the edge of PA or something. Do you I know what remember. I bought at, uh, at Jerry's? Huh. Killer Bees album. <laughs> no, it was because it wasn't expensive, and it was like, so, yeah, you know, like I haven't had that record since I was uh, the yellow one with the B on it, or it had that too. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, man, I haven't had that's this some old since I was a kid. Shit. Yeah, yeah I had to get it. <laughs> but they used to have a regular gig somewhere on South Congress. I remember as a little kid, it was like. 
They had maybe they had their own bar or club or something were, for a split second. They were everywhere at yeah. one point, man. Yeah. And the record's good. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but it was all right. I'll man. take your word for it. I'm but. not mad at it. <laughs> It's like that Jasmanian devil shit or something. I'm like, ah, oh, it's cool. It, it exists. I acknowledge. <laughs> I mean, but I was a, a young kid yeah. when they were playing around and they'd come to Fitzgerald's in Houston or something. And yeah. I was just like, you know, I didn't know where the reggae shows were yeah. at that time until yeah. I found out about the Southwest side of Houston as a, as a late teenager or something. Yeah. I didn't know that. Les actually showed me all that shit. I didn't know oh, yeah. nothing about that. Yeah. Even though I got family from Houston, like, and I would go every year, like, they were out in South Houston. Yeah, they were Pasadena. from Leaf and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. we didn't, we didn't, we didn't really, I didn't know about all that shit, the whole, like, Jamaican neighborhood and all that shit. Like, yeah, less, less put me down on all that, like, in my 20s, you know. Um, but that was the thing is, like, I didn't grow up with any of those influences. Right. Like, so the Killer Bees, somebody like that makes it makes sense if you're our age at that time. If you've already been listening to Zeppelin, if you've already been listening to Bob Marley, if you've already been listening to mm-hmm. whatever, right? I wasn't listening to any of that shit. I grew up listening to just normalized radio, and then I got like hit by hip hop at a very young age. And because I'm just like OCD about, it, like I was just like I only want to listen. Well, I heard I heard "Can I Kick It" by Tribe Called Quest. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I was like, I only want to listen to music that sounds like this. Wow. And like, and that's all I did for like 13 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> like everybody else is like, oh, punk and oh, whatever. Like fucking Beatles, Rolling Stones. I'm like, eat a dick. Like, not for me. Like, yeah. I was just like, Nas, OC, like what a fucking freestyle fellowship and what, you know, like Black Alicious. And man, I was just on it. Like. I didn't care about rock music. I didn't care about, I didn't have an appreciation for reggae music mm-hmm. till way later, you know, as I started to grow up and have the record store and stuff, sure. I, I started to become exposed to other musics that I had, you know, thus far kind of just like been closed off to, you know? I mean, that's everybody asks like, how'd you get into hip hop? I'm like, I like music. And I love the culture, but yeah. I mean, music, rap music is music. I love it. Yeah. It's great. It was the other <laughs> way around for me. Rap yeah. music was what it was everything for me. And then it was because of rap music that mm-hmm. I started to love and appreciate other music. This is where being a beat maker comes in, right? And being a record guy. like Finding out where that stuff I, came yeah, from. I became a record guy because I was trying to make beats. And so I would dig up records to look for samples, right? Mm-hmm. So therein you have an appreciation for the vinyl format Mm -hmm. right starting to get built and then you also have the the appreciation for exploration in other genres that weren't rap right so i'm listening to you know i did the i did the the cliche thing right it was like listening to parliament and whatever like 80s you know, cameo in one way and all this stuff. And then listening to James Brown and Marva Whitney and Lynn Collins and all that shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the more organic, like raw, funkier sixties and seventies stuff. Right. And then I just kept going on a trajectory backwards. Right. So yeah. from James Brown, I got to Sam Cooke and Otis Redding, 
you know, Aretha and all that. From that, I got to gospel music, right? So Blind Boys of Alabama and and then blues, Fred McDowell and Man's Lips Comb and things like this, right? So I always went backwards. It was like, cool, I love this, but where did it come from? And then I'd like submerge in that. I'd be like, cool, I love this. You know, you get to Sam Cooke and you're like, cool, I love this. Where did it come from? It's like, oh shit, now I'm listening to gospel, but then I'm also listening to like fucking country Jimmy Rogers and, you know, the Carter family and all that shit. And like, I just constantly went backwards, which is why I don't know that much about contemporary music. That's for the best. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) No worries there. Yeah. I mean, like I... If it's past like 2000 something, it's hit or miss for me. Yeah. You want to talk about music like pre pre 2000s in the 1900s as they say. Mm-hmm. Like I we can we can run laps, but like I am not your guy when it comes to answering questions about like what came out 2 years ago or 5 years ago. <laughs> I mean, well, the crazy shit is now is the African music from all over the continent that's coming out besides not just Nigerian Afrobeats and all that, but there's, you know, stuff from South Africa and oh, yeah. all over the continent which I'm always happy to break away has in stock. Yeah, Zambia shit. And yes, that and then like uh, like jazz in general yeah. has come back in some crazy way with young people even. Yeah. And uh there's a lot of interesting things happening once again on an underground level that's starting to peak up a bit and it's happening all over. It's pretty dope. But as far as like what's real, what's going on, I mean, last night <clears throat> my wife uh, flipped the channel on me and put the MTV video music awards on. Oh shit. It was, there's, I've, I've, I've been grossed out by MTV many times. I've never seen anything grosser or heard anything stupider than that oh, in my wow. life, in my life, what they were doing. And like, talking about old conspiracy theorists when the conspiracy theorists go like they're doing satanic rituals look at this man if you'd watch that shit last night yeah that shit looked like a fucking satanic rit- it was the whole background <laughs> was like red fire the whole time like it was like i was like man i'm gonna be that dude this is this is nutty and i'm i love slayer yeah <laughs> I don't, i'm not against like anything like that but i was like you mainstream psychopaths man this is insane yeah then look at the format so it's, yeah. a, it's an award show for videos on a yep. network that no longer plays videos. Yeah, it really doesn't play videos. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, fuck all of them. Best pregnant teenager <laughs> yeah, show. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Best reality TV show. You yeah, know? whatever, yeah. man. Yeah, it's crazy, but it is what it is, man. And I'm I'm happy for you. I'm proud to say that uh, you are getting out on. You've always set out on your own path, and now you've got a whole new chapter to look f- forward to. And it's honestly going to be amazing. I already know because. That's all I want to do. Hit the road. Yeah. Go find something new. Go see something new. And where you're going is, uh, it's really funny because I come from the era of everybody around me moving to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the eighties. Seriously. That, that whole, yeah. my dad, when he moved to Erie, I mean, Houston in 1980, he had four or five Erie friends. Yeah. Yeah. They, they came too. you know, people from that region and from the actual small city I'm from, you know, yeah. like, like this mass exodus and now it's yeah. like oh and that's like that's cycle of life that's how it works yeah. you know and you, like Austin's, i say the water and everything yeah. that's a big deal yeah austin's always had the influx but you know with as much influx and as much money is happening like it's just the natural evolution that people are going to mm-hmm. start bailing ship uh myself included you know but that's not to say that i don't have a lot of love for having grown up here 
and the experiences that I've had, very, very fortunate to have had the sock op. I'm very fortunate okay. to have breakaway. Uh, I'm very fortunate to, you know, we did wax exploitation, the soul happening, mm-hmm. with Brett Koshkin and them. That's right. Like I was the one member of both groups and like, man, I've, I've had a lot of successes and victories here that mm-hmm. will be a part of my grain. Like no matter where I go or what I do, you know, like I'm probably always going to be bossy because I was a boss. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that that actually is the next evolution for breakaway. Right. So um you know one of the things that is going on in the background that is really important to me is that Josh and I knew that I was going to want to step away right or that I was going to want I was going to need a break you know mm-hmm. um covid really uh I was already burnt out and covid like sealed the deal that was the nail in the coffin right um it really hurt and granted we crushed it. We did well. I'm fucking thankful. But man, it hurt, right? Oh, yeah. And so then it was about restabilizing, right? Mm-hmm. I can't afford to prioritize myself because I got to get the business back, right? Straight, right? Mm-hmm. So now that that's happened, it's time to revisit the conversation of like, hey, I'm experiencing burnout. Also, Where's the exit strategy? Also, like, you know, what um, if I leave, you stay or like, how's that going to work and all that? Right. So all of these conversations are coming up now. And the the one thing that I find the most peace in is that. The shop energy. Is so much better off mm-hmm. with Josh yeah. and with the staff. Like I, I say that humbly. Like, yeah. like I, I really am. I'm hot or cold, right? Once you burn out, you burn yeah, out. I'm burnt. Like, yeah, like I, like don't like mm-hmm. save yourself, right? Yeah. And I really am looking forward to seeing what Breakaway comes up with, what Josh comes up with, what the staff come up with. Without me being the grouchy gatekeeper, mm-hmm. right? Because that has really been my role. Like, I got really curmudgeon and I got really burnt out. And um, and I, I have not been the best, best version of myself, you know, for the last couple of years. And the one thing that I am fortunate to have is self-awareness to be able to know that when I suck, I'm usually pretty aware that I'm sucking, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I've been sucking and that room is going to be a lot of fun without me in it. That's cool <laughs> shit, man. And I say, and I, I'm okay with that. I'm not, I, that's not like a, I'm not trying to chisel myself down in saying that. I say it because I believe it to be the truth. Yeah. You know? I've been there, man. I know the feeling. You got to get out sometimes, <laughs> man. And it's like having a teenager kid, right? It's mm-hmm. like, man, if you want a party, you need, you need dad to go away. Right. Yeah. And, those guys are ready to party. Like that's phase two, right? That's our phase, yeah. whatever it is now, eight, you know? Um, and like dad has to go away a little bit for them to cut loose. And that shit is going to be cool. It's going to get, it's going to get real creative and real fun. And a lot of the enjoyment and energy 
is going to increase in a way that would not happen if I was around because I'm a I'm a dream killer, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I hear that. I've I've missed those days. So I'd rather just go to Barton Springs with my kids and. That's man, it. I've been doing that shit in the morning, man. I'm yeah. an old man. I wake up at like 5:30 now and go to the springs before you know it's free oh, yeah. till eight, and so I'm literally like out there swimming laps and shit in the morning now, trying to get my head right. You know, that's the best. <laughs> that's the best. Then you have to drive though. Yeah, especially and then your from, head goes right back. Especially from my house, <laughs> yeah. you know. So, Ooh, you know. man, yeah, uh, that's my. Ne- that's I want to live somewhere. I don't have to drive. Yeah, the area that I'm looking in in the Hudson Valley is like all the places that I want to get to are are within 20, 30 minutes of each other. Mm-hmm. And where I live now, which is out near the town of Weberville, uh, so straight east of us, um, my commute's already 20 to 30 minutes anyway. So that's like the same shit yeah. to me, right? Yeah. So doing that with no people and in a small town that doesn't have that kind of congestion and stuff like that's going to be cool. Super nice, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's going to be amazing. Yeah. Well, man, are you going to stay on social? So people are going to be able to follow this journey or stay in touch with you? Or are you going yeah, to cut it all off? Or what I do don't, you think? I'm debating that right now, to be yeah. honest with you. Like I have romanticized the idea of not being on social media for a long time. And my excuse was that I had to keep it because of breakaway or I had to keep it because of my DJ career or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now that I don't have those things, my inclination is to shut it all down and take a break. But also, I don't know, like I go back and forth because the it's nice to have an avenue to share the new version of myself with right. other people. And I know that there will be some curiosities, especially close friends and family and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So. I don't know. I'm debating it. Uh, what's probably going to happen is I'll I'll take a chill yeah. and then circle back. Well, I'll tell you this. I stopped in 2020 when I was up at my mother's, and uh, I felt like, you know, I'm here focused on my family. I don't need all this. Yeah. And uh, got off social media completely. Didn't even look at it really at all for the second part of 2020 up till – Sometime in 22, beginning of 22, oh, wow. it was almost two years. Wow. Hell and yeah. uh, I came back to Instagram first whenever I started doing the podcast again. Yeah. Just for that. But That's the thing. You got to like tell yeah. the people and plug the shit. But I'll and- tell you this. <laughs> two things. One, you're not going to miss anything whatsoever. Yep. True that. Because coming back, like I haven't been on Facebook for a long time. And um, I don't even remember why I had to look. A few weeks, a month or so ago, something happened because Facebook doesn't cut you off. Yeah. Like it still exists. Twitter cuts you off if you stay off a yeah. month. Well, Facebook now is 30 days. I know this because I just deleted my Facebook. Like I've wanted to delete that shit for so long. I came back after two and a half years and it was still all. The, and no, what I'm saying is everything is exactly the yeah. same. Yeah. Everything is not even slightly <laughs> different. There's not a slight difference yeah. whatsoever it's to what I was looking at shit. then. It's exactly the same. The same people are posting the same shit. Oh, yeah. And then also, I don't I don't know about your life and your friends how it is, but it was a kind of a shocker to me. Like in 2020, I felt like I had to check on everybody, you know, especially since yeah. I wasn't on social media. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, people were not checking on me. Yeah. And you notice that. For you go that. like, hey, yeah. where are you? Are you okay? Yeah, for <laughs> real. Like you yeah. realize that like, uh, and so it's uh, people are yeah, so stuck weird time into to that go thing. Quiet. Yeah. yeah. People are stuck into that. Like, okay, you know, if I'm don't hear from you in a while i can probably look at your instagram and be like oh man he's around 
Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah, especially being off the grid and shit, yeah. having mental health issues and yeah, shit. You no, want to, yeah. For sure. Dude. No, I got it. I mean, it would help. Dude. Yeah. It was nice to not be on there. And yeah. like, it is what it is. Focus on your family and yourself yeah. and what you're doing. And, and I want to be like, creative again, man. That's, creative, that's yeah. one of my biggest things is, like, you know, even, you know, I, I made music for a long time when I was younger. And then I kind of retired that to be a DJ. Mm hmm where I was way more of a listener than a maker, right? Yep. And now I'm trying to have a different relationship with making music that, you know, back then I was trying to make it. I was trying to, like, impress people and get on and all that. Like, now I've started to tinker with music again, and I don't give a fuck, and it's awesome. Like, shit I'm probably never going to put out, shit that's probably yep. not any good. I don't care. Like, just reframing that relationship with music to where i can tinker and just have it be a hobby have it be a side thing right just fun whatever what are you working on equipment wise uh i just sold my mpc 60 and then my mpc 3000 is up at breakaway right now oh yeah for sale and i'm keeping ironically man all the beat heads are about to fucking gasp the out of the three that i had I'm keeping the MPC 1000. Oh, yeah? The little bitty one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's the most portable. It's the most user-friendly. Mm -hmm. It runs on batteries. Like, I, it's, I love it. Like, as far yeah. as, like, for ease, it's, mm -hmm. like, the most simple one. And, and I uh, actually learned that via, through uh, Azatat, Tom, Tommy okay. Thompson, because he had one. He was like, man, I, I like the 2000. I like the 3000, but. 1000 is just so easy and mm -hmm. like he was fucking right so i'm selling all the big ones and keeping like selling the trophies and keeping the little guy you know okay. <laughs> and uh can you give me the coordinates of the storage unit where you're putting all your personal records <laughs> where that is <laughs> tbd man Damn. uh it's funny uh amanda my partner of very many years she and i are still close and she just yesterday she was like hey i have this idea you should let me have seven of your records while you while you leave just to know that they're like being appreciated and valued yeah <laughs> i was like i smell a hustle here like <laughs> so she's she's trying to get me to to give her some of my records while while the other ones go in storage records are the hardest <laughs> thing about moving they're heavy yeah, but that's the good thing about having been in the record store, especially a record store that moved locations. Like I, man, that's all part of a daily job for me. You know, yeah. like yeah, it hurts and yeah, the struggle is real, but it's not a struggle I'm unfamiliar with. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm not daunted by it by in the way that other people are. You yeah. Know? So I have a lot of familiarity when it comes to moving around records, man. Yeah, a lot, man. <laughs> Well, I definitely appreciate you coming down here and for your time, man, and just man, like everything I, you've done in this city and, you know, being just good friends for a long time. It's always, you know, a pleasure to talk to you. For sure, man. I appreciate that. Um, and, and likewise, like, I'd like to say, you know, just officially, like, you are one of the people that I have always had the most respect for when it comes to appreciating nuance appreciating community appreciating different music styles um just the culture the the vibe the mindset the factors like all those things like you've always always been one of the sharpest cookies man and like i fucking 
I look up to you I for that. It. You Thank know? you, man. Thank you. I remember years ago, Brett, <laughs> Brett, Brett, Brett Koshkin was yeah. like, oh, you know Matt, right? And I, your name was a name that I knew, yeah. but we didn't really know each other, you know? And then I remember way back then, he was like, oh, yeah, Matt's moving to Austin. Y'all should connect. Yep. It was around that time we met. And, like, man, that's wild. true blue, man. Like, you've always been a standout to me, man. Like, you always, like, I, I the... The ability, like when I was like, oh shit, I I should probably talk about stepping back from breakaway. It was like, man, the moment, of, you know, you're the first person that comes to mind. Like, man, thank you. Let's chop it up. I'm glad. Know? Well, I've been wanting to do a podcast with you for a while, and that is, there's a reason why it hadn't happened until today. <laughs> obviously, we had, you know, yeah, a greater mission, and things generally happen when they're supposed to happen. I I do believe that, oh, man, yeah. and I'm really happy that it is, and I think this is a great. I would think you'd have been smarter to leave in like May, June. Maybe that'd have been better. <laughs> no, I've been talking to real estate people. The the real estate people in in, in New York, they're like, yep. "So why are you leaving Texas and coming to New York right before the winter?" Yeah, I'm like, well, they're like, it, it's it's the other way. Everybody's leaving. I was like, yeah, well, I I have a tendency to go in the direction away from the people. You yeah, know? man. Hell yeah. No, it's going to be a nice experience. Like the thing about your first winter is fun. The first yeah. one's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to like, I'm going to go test run it. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to like try on a few different areas that I'm looking at, stay like a month each or something, bounce mm -hmm. around while I get my money straight. And then I'll probably commit on something after the winter, but I want to, I want to experience the winter without, dealing with the financial side of things you know what i mean mm -hmm. and just focus on like is this something that's right for me is this like the way i want to live or like can i hack it or you mm -hmm. know how to put on chain tires or whatever you know what i mean like whatever I mean, that shit if is. you're really out in the country yeah <laughs> i never done the chains in my life but if you're really out yeah. there in the country country you might have to yeah that's part of like one version of the dream is that i want to have a big piece of land out there mm -hmm. that I can build a recording studio, I can build an art studio, I can build a fucking yoga studio, whatever, right? And have all my homies, like again, community has always been my thing. I wanna slow down and it would be real cool to have all my homies come to me, right? So like just making a little compound exactly. where like people can come through and be creative and take their vacations without spending money and like, cause really it's ironic. Like I own a business, but like, like I'm fairly like communist, <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like money sucks, right? It like does. I fucking hate it. Right. And so to be able to create a situation with my benefits that then I can then offer to the homies, to like come through and kick it, especially in a situation where they don't live there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, that's the dream. If real. I could tell you when to leave, like we're good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's the dream right there, man. So that's the plan, you know. I'm gonna try to get off the grid eventually, but I'll probably go to Kingston first because mm -hmm. got my eyes on that. Get acclimated, you know what I mean? Learn yep. what I've been in Austin this whole time. So learn what it's like to go through a winter. Yep. Um, before I really think about buying a house or buying some land or whatever. Get my get my feet wet and mm -hmm. then and then on the other end of winter I can make a decision or I can keep on roaming or whatever. 
I think getting out of Austin, you know, getting out of Texas has always been the hardest part. Yeah, it's a long road. <laughs> Just trying to do that first. I'll figure out the rest later. Man, you know? <laughs> well, good luck with that. You're going to love it. I know it. Wegmans isn't quite as good as H-E-B, but you're going to get used to it. You'll be all right, man. You know, it's an ice store. That's funny. Yeah. I don't even know that they have it. I was looking uh, for real estate purposes. I was like, where's the closest Whole Foods? Because there's a direct correlation between real estate and where Whole Foods are, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like looking into it. And there's one in Albany, like a tiny one in Albany. And the next one isn't for like, I don't know, it's like 800 mile radius or some shit. I, I assume <laughs> there's one in Buffalo, but I've never seen it. Yeah, I don't I know. I assume there's one I in Buffalo. Yeah. Erie has a Whole Foods yeah. co-op that's not Whole Foods, oh, but it's called Whole Foods co-op. I, I knew somebody that worked there when I was at Wheatsville. Somebody, there's a lot of overlap, wow. people traveling. Okay, yeah. Like in the co-op world, yeah. right? So like a transient work, you know, two, right. three months, seasonal kind of shit. And somebody from when I was working at Wheatsville, somebody who had worked at that co-op in Erie had, uh, had was working at Wheatsville. It's uh, so funny. It's called Whole Foods. Yeah, it's called Whole it is Foods. It's not yeah. the Whole Foods yeah, chain. It's not how, Amazon. That's how I remember it. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. wild. Well, you're going to love it, man. It's so fun to travel and have new experiences, and I'm excited for you. That's what they tell me. I've never done it. It's time, we'll, man. We'll Get out, out there. Yeah. I've done road. my I've done my share of road tripping though as an adult and I I value that but mm -hmm. um you know I've never left the states and like yeah well you know semi retire and like try to do some other shit with my life and um you know I have I have one thing for the the few friends out there that are listening um a few of my friends whatever like. Be nice to Josh at Breakaway. Oh, <laughs> that's my dude, man. That's my dude, and that's my spot. So treat treat it good while I'm gone. For yeah. sure, man. I definitely <laughs> need to get over there. But I don't need. I can only buy so many. Rooms. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually going to be one of the hardest parts for me, yeah. is because. You're going to have to start paying retail. I'm going to have to start paying retail. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Which is some bullshit, man. It's rough. $35 records. Oh. That, was the, that was the biggest benefit of my job, especially as a DJ. It was like, man, I didn't have to pay fucking retail, you know? Mm. Even even when somebody else has retail, it's like there's always a hustle. It's like, oh, I'll trade you this or I'll, you know. So, yeah. Oof, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to go back to being the common man. <laughs> it's rough. No, I don't like coming yeah. to your store, man. I'll be in there like, God damn it. I can't spend this, but I know I do. Man, I hear that all the time, and my rebuttal to that is, like, people go out and spend 40, 50 bucks at the bar, and they don't fucking think another oh, thing about easily, it. yeah, easily. At least when you go and spend 40, 50 bucks on records, later in life, whatever, even if it's two weeks later, you can turn around and sell those records and get some money back. <laughs> you can't do that with the money you took to the bar. I think about it every time I go to a bar now. Yeah. It makes me sick. I went to a show on a Monday night and paid $7 for a Lone Star, and I was like, I'm moving. I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. I have barely been drinking, you know? Like, my sleep schedule is all weird, and I've just been, like, waking up doing yoga and shit and old people shit. And, like, I went out and had a drink like for the first time in forever, uh, went to the sign bar. Like they, you know, mm -hmm. they opened the new yeah, sign yeah. bar thing. It's out near my house. I and saw, so yeah. I was just like, man, I'm curious. I got to check it out. So on the way home one night I stopped and I had one drink 
Fucking regular ass bourbon was ten dollars, dude. Easily, like, <laughs> yeah, easy, and that's not downtown. No, that's like Weberville. You know, that's, that's a that's at Tesla, basically. Yeah, <laughs> like <sighs> fuck that shit. Man, you're gonna have your you are gonna no matter where you live up in uh, upstate New York, you're gonna have a corner bar somewhere in oh, your yeah. vicinity. Tubby's, man, Tubby's will be $2, my spot. Three dollar beers. I have a I have a bar in my basement. Yeah, you know, because all those houses have big ass basements. Yep, I'm gonna ass. have a bar in my basement. And I go to Tubby's every now and then when I need to see some people. So. Man, Tubby's gives me FOMO every day on their Instagram. They've got shows in that little-ass room, man. It's amazing. Yeah. I but, man, them. what's up it's is tub- Tubby's when there's no shows, man. Tubby's on a chill night is what's up. Like, yep. it feels like Lovejoy's or something to oh, me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, back in the day, like, it's real chill. It's, like, a little bit of neighborhood. There's some crust on the edges. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I Tubby's love it is what's up, man. It's dope. Well, right, yeah, man. when y'all when y'all come we'll to Kingston, there. I'll probably be hanging at Tubby's. You come fuck with me. We will. We'll come up there for real, man. We we went last year. It was dope. Oh yeah, so good, man. Might have been this year. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's a all the same. <laughs> well, man, safe travels to you, brother, and appreciate keep in it, touch man. for sure. Definitely uh, appreciate everything, and our paths will for sure cross. For sure, for I'm gonna, sure. I'm gonna make sure I have good internet wherever I go, so we could do the. We could do the phone version, part two. Yeah, easy. No (laughs) doubt. Word up. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Talk So Real with Matt Sanzala. It's out there on all the uh, podcast platforms. Give it a like, a share, whatever you do with these things. We'll be back soon.